Hey there. Do you have a favorite back to school outfit? What are your top hot beverages? What are your go to tailgating necessities? This is the top five podcast. Nothing is off limits and everyone is wrong, even when we think they are right. I'm your host today, Eric Shane. With me, as always, is Mr. Zach Rancourt. Zach Rancourt. How are you, bud? Pretty good. How are you? Oh, just peachy. I am just uh, ready to get done with this week already, which is insane because we already had like a three day weekend because of Labor Day and today was Tuesday and now I'm ready for the weekend again. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's working for the weekend. Everybody working. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know who else is working for the weekend? It's Mr. Tom Lockhart. (laughs) Hi, Tom. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Every day is a weekend for me. Uh, uh, so. I, you. I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was done with my work at uh, about twelve thirty today. Because, that's good, and, and it's even better because I'm working eight hour shifts this week. Because that's the way it works when you work four tens and there's a holiday. They make you work the other four days and you get the holiday off. So I don't actually get like an extra day off. I just move my day off from Wednesday to Monday but I still work four days. It's kind I would of bullshit. <laughs> I would say boo, but honestly, that's not a bad trade-off. Yeah, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> I'd take that trade-off. I was saying boo-earns. Boo-earns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know what, guys? There's a reason we're looking forward to the weekend. More than any other time of the year, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Football, blessed, blessed football, has returned and not a moment too soon. Baseball is wonderful for sure. We've been talking baseball all summer, especially with those resurgent Mariners and all that. But to be honest, nothing really beats football. And even though it's return signifies the end of summer vacations and going back to school, it's all worth it because football is just the greatest. So Tom and I played it as kids. Three of us have watched it our whole lives. We talk about it all year long. I don't think there's hardly a podcast we've had without at least some mention of football somewhere in there. Right. So, and yeah, and, and look, that's just because football's so great, right? And it, it's the moments that define a game and define a team and define a season, really, that stay with us forever. Those great big moments. We talk about them over beers. We argue about them endlessly. Kids go outside and they try to recreate them forever. The greatest plays in football lore, a lot of them anyway, have names like the catch, the helmet catch, the immaculate reception. And Seahawks lore, like the tip, the phantom touchdown, the fail Mary, (laughs) you know, the list goes on. Today, we are discussing our top five football moments. And to enhance the discussion, we didn't share our list with each other. And by no means are we experts in this or any other category, though this time we're actually kind of close. We're just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. And I think all three of us wanted to try to avoid the homerism and just talking Seahawks stuff for the entire podcast, though. I couldn't help myself in a couple of instances, but Tom, why don't you lead us off and, and tell us what you got with your, what's your number one? Well, yes, my first one is my only Seahawks one. Cause I tried to limit it to just one Seahawks one. Good. Uh, and there's tons of them that it could be. You mentioned a couple, um, but I picked one that might not have seemed obvious. Um, and it was during, of course, their Super Bowl win. Um, and this moment was when I felt like the party that we were at, because we were over at Gordy's, everyone mm-hmm. relaxed the moment it happened because they went into halftime with a 22-point lead. And it's like, okay, but Denver can come out and do that in the second half also, and this could be a whole new game. But the moment the ball was kicked off and Percy Harvin catches the ball <laughs> off a bounce – And you finally got to see, as a Seahawks fan, what Percy Harvin does. Because we traded first-round picks for him, and for the most part, he was a dud because he was injured all the time. When he was out there, he was electric. And he proved that on the kickoff return, and he took it back to the house. And I felt like the entire party was just done watching the game because we just had to get to the end when we're all going to celebrate. So it was a lot less paying attention. We're all just talking and and like, ah, whatever. And we were right because we crushed. Um, but that's the moment that everything just was like, it's happening. It's They got this. There's like, I don't even think Broncos are going to have a chance at all. And they didn't. And... Ah, I remember just having that feeling 
of just read your shoulders come down and you're like, Oh my God, the Seahawks are going to finally win a Super Bowl. And it was just <laughs> such a beautiful moment as a person from this area. And my entire life, there wasn't uh, like a championship team in the major sports. Right. And it was just like, it's finally happened in my lifetime. <laughs> and that's probably one of the greatest sports moments that I can think of. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't include any of the, the Seahawks moments leading or in that Super Bowl, though I could have chosen several, including that one and all that. I think you bring up a really good point because we went into halftime feeling really good. 22, nothing. You just can't believe that, we're that fortunate. And we had all the faith in the world in that defense, which is one of the greatest defenses of all time, that 2013 Legion of Boom Seahawks defense. But I mean, it was still Peyton Manning over there. It was still the highest scoring offense ever. Okay. Ever. And we had them at zero points, but they could score 30 points in 30 minutes. That team was plenty good enough to do that. Um, so yeah, the fact that we got the ball back coming out of the half, and Percy takes that weird bounce and, and takes it down. Now we're up 29 nothing. Yeah, that was uh, that was a whoo moment. Uh, the, we were just, at that point, I think Richard Sherman's reaction on the sideline, laughing, that was probably how we all kind of felt. <laughs> like, just like insanely cackling, like, oh my God, I can't believe this is really happening. I felt kind of bad for Broncos fans at that point because I was, because my, my good friend Matt is a Broncos fan and I was just shit talking the whole game. And then I was like, should I even shit talk him at this point? Because this yes. is like just pouring salt into an open wound here. I, this is, you know, a lot. That's where that's where you put salt. <laughs> yes, it is. That's 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 where you store it. It's it food and open wounds. Those are the two spots that you put uh, salt. Oh, and on I slugs. Just, I just I've been I remember back when the Broncos and the Seahawks were in the same division. And I remember those that that's a very bitter old wound there. This is a, yeah, I, I don't I don't. Yeah, I don't care. It's it's just crazy to me. I mean, I, 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 I think that that was such an amazing moment. And just like Tom saying, I never thought in my life I would be able to see the Seahawks win a Super Bowl. But Absolutely. that was that was pretty much when I was like, okay, now I can relax for the rest of the game because there's mm -hmm. this is a big deficit to overcome. Okay, well, akin to that, I have I actually have two Seahawks moments because I couldn't help myself. But I will lead off with this one, and it's the moment that led us to the moment you just talked about. And it's the NFC championship game. And I'm talking about the tip. I am talking about the 2013 NFC championship game between the Seahawks and the rival 49ers who were defending their crown as conference champs. They had just went to the Super Bowl the year prior and had that, uh, that game against Baltimore where they were getting their brains beat out. And then the power went out in the stadium and then they had this outrageous comeback and then uh, back corner of the end zone. Um, Incomplete pass uh, from a 49ers quarterback who uh, he just uh, sorry, Colin Kaepernick. Getting, yeah, that's it. Colin Kaepernick. It was just he, he you know, bad throw into the back corner of the end zone um, to his right and game over. And the Ravens are Super Bowl champions. Flash forward the next year. Seattle is just rolling. I mean, we we are like a team of destiny. We go 13 to three in the regular season. Um, I can't remember what their record was, but it was also really good. They were a wild card team. And uh, we hosted the NFC title game because we were the number one seed in the in the conference. They had to come here. And it was a back and forth affair that entire game. I mean, they gave as good as they got. They were a very good team. And that was the Jim Harbaugh 49ers against the Pete Carroll Seahawks. What could be better than that, right? And uh, we, but we still felt like we had them. We, we still felt really strongly because we had that lead at the end where we drew them off sides and, and then we hit the uh, curse in the end zone to go up a, a score. Uh, couldn't pile on any further than that. We had, we were up by one score heading into the final seconds of the game and Kaepernick was driving down. He had just hit a big gain to get down to our 18. It was hurting up to the line of scrimmage and then it had Crabtree going up against Sherm into the back corner of the end zone, same corner as the year before in the Super Bowl, And he chucks it up in the air and Sherm knew it was coming and he had picked it off too, but Crabtree uh, he'd have picked it off, but Crabtree actually kind of held him a little bit and it kept him spun around. So he just spun around with all his might and batted the ball back over to Malcolm Smith because he knew he was there. And Malcolm Smith runs underneath it, catches it, plants his ass right there in the end zone for a touchback. Ball game. Mm. Ball game. Mm. Uh, 
don't you ever talk about me. Everything explodes. Everybody goes completely nuts shit. <laughs> Who's talking about you? <laughs> just like, Crabtree. <laughs> and by the way, Aaron Andrews was handling that moment just fine. She was great. She was phenomenal. She was great. She's a pro's pro, okay? She did not need the studio to like bail her out. She had it covered, all right? She was so, great. Yes, she was. Um, that's just one of it's one of the most iconic moments in Seahawks history for sure. And uh, it really in our modern NFL era, uh, that's just one of the coolest highlights uh, that is shown. It's still on the NFL films and ESPN when they do the, the highlights. That's one of the plays they show over and over again because it's so cool. It's so it's such a crafty play by Sherman to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, when, it's, a, it's yeah. When when Sherman went to the 49ers for those couple years, you know, a lot of people were really upset. You know, they were going to boo him and, and whatnot. Oh, you traitor. Um, they spelled, they spelled trader wrong. They spelled it T R A D E R. Um, but you know, they were upset with it and, and I kind of get it to a degree, but I would never in my entire life ever boo Richard Sherman. The man, the man was a dick, but he was our dick. (laughs) He was our dick. He was a phenomenal player. And I mean, rightfully so he could essentially be a hall of fame player. Uh, he's now retired. Obviously he came back after Russell's gone from the Seahawks and he's, helped kind of mentor uh, Tariq Woolen and some other young players. And it's, um, you know, his, his influence is, is very apparent. And no matter what, the reason why I wouldn't boo Richard Sherman is because he gave us this beautiful, beautiful moment in Seahawks history. I mean, I would I would agree with you. This is probably more of an important more moment in my mind than the actual Super Bowl, because we all collectively were squeezing our butt cheeks together and holding yeah, our breath. Because when you see that ball just zip in there and you're like, shit, Crabtree's a good receiver. Kaepernick has a cannon and he fires it in there. And like that would have been the yeah. game, essentially. And we he, del- he delivered that ball with such confidence, too. He did. And and Kaepernick was great. And it was just, uh, you know, every I, I swear I could hear a pin drop because it was so quiet and everything just kind of slowed down. And then that tip and then perfectly placed to Malcolm Butler. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they obviously practice it a bunch, but it was absolutely insane and um i mean that stadium erupted uh i could watch that on repeat for, for I, hours i do i have i will rewatch that play at least once a year in the off season just to remind myself but i would never criticize sherman no matter what i mean he didn't leave the team the team cut him mm-hmm. <laughs> so the team cut him and he tried to come back so it that wasn't his fault he signed with the team that was going to give him the friendliest contracts in terms of uh and and that's what the 49ers did. So he doesn't mm-hmm. he didn't owe us anything. I mean, he we cut him. So yeah. I I no hard feelings ever. And anyone who's booing him, that's eh, just dumb. Yeah. Just dumb. Uh I personally like listening to the radio of it because you can hear Warren Moon shriek. Like, ah! like, like, <laughs> like it's just it's hilarious every oh, time. Oh, we're all there though. Because, but we, but yes. I get it. Like, yeah, I get that noise. Like that. That's the perfect noise for that moment. <laughs> yeah. Warren Moon was all of us in that moment. Now, Richard Sherman has a podcast. Mm-hmm. And very recently, he actually interviewed Pete Carroll. A uh, full, like, 45-minute interview uh, about, uh, well, he went all the way back in Pete Carroll's past, like, where he got his coaching start. And, you know, trying to follow Bill Parcells in New England and the whole debacle, how that went down. And he, he, they got into the Super Bowl situation and they got into the, the, the one yard line situation and talking about the real nitty gritty and how pissed off everybody was and what that did to the team. I mean, they got into it and it was a, it was a really cool conversation. I recommend you go, uh, you guys go watch that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's on YouTube. So. Yeah. So it also That's made, it also made my list. That's why I didn't really say much about it because you pretty much said everything that needed to be said. Okay. Well, that's cool. We can make this, uh, we can make a quick and easy skip it, go right around. I think Tom's number two. That's right. And I'm going to give okay. you two number, two numbers right now. Good. Tw- 28 oh, and three. Son of a bitch. <laughs> the Patriots, it's two minutes and 11 seconds left in the third quarter, and they are losing by 25 points. <laughs> and they make the most miraculous comeback in Super Bowl history. Actually, something I learned today, uh, there's only two teams in Super Bowl history that have lost after having a, a double-digit lead going into the second half. 
it's the Falcons and then the Eagles last year losing uh, to the Chiefs. And this, I, I watched this game earlier today while I was working. I had it on my phone. And there are so many moments where if just the Falcons do like one thing different, changes the whole game. Patriots won't have enough time to tie the game and go to overtime. Like there's a a sack on Matt Ryan where if Devonta Freeman just nudges the guy before Mm -hmm. he goes out on his route, Matt Ryan gets that ball off. He may not complete it, but he does not fumble it. And they at least run out some more clock. And it's just like, if he just, just kind of just a little, little bump into him. But no, he doesn't do it. And there's just like so many of those moments watching that game where everything had to go perfectly for the Patriots to win that game. And I, as a Tom Brady fan, I was very low that day over at Gordy's house because I was the only one rooting for the Patriots, as is tradition whenever we go and watch the Patriots playing. Uh, I have... That was actually the only game that I didn't have a bet with Mike for the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in it, which is disappointing um, because the last bet that we had was him beating the Seahawks, where I won the bet but lost, really. Um, But that comeback is incredible to watch, and just Tom Brady is the greatest. Let's, Let's all just agree he's the greatest. There's he did it without Bill Belichick. He's the best quarterback ever. Maybe even the best football I, I, player ever. <laughs> I don't think there's any I don't think you can disagree with that at this point. He's just yeah, I love Tom the resume Brady. speaks for itself at a certain point. Yeah, I should probably get a Bucks jersey. I know he's retired now, but I should probably get one just as you might you as know. well. I mean, I got two Patriots <laughs> and might as well get a Bucks one. You might as well round it out. OK. Well, then, since you brought that up, I'm going to bring up the ultimate David versus Goliath story. I'm talking about David Tyree (laughs) against the undefeated Patriots in Super Bowl 42. The Giants going this little piss cutter six seed team who just barely squeaked into the playoffs somehow make their way through the NFC. They are battered. They are bruised. They make their way to the Super Bowl and they are facing Tom Brady and they are facing Randy Moss and they are facing Bill Belichick. Tom Brady coming off a 50 touchdown season. 50. Count them. That's ridiculous. That's only happened a couple of times in NFL history. Uh, you know, insanity. Uh, 50 touchdowns is bonkers. Anyway, highest scoring offense of all time up until that point. Um, they are in the fourth quarter. And I remember Tom Brady was kind of sort of snickering a little bit and laughing and scoffing at the idea. I can't remember. I think it was uh, uh, one of the Giants players. I think it was Strahan talking about keeping them to like 17 points. And uh, Brady was scoffing at the notion that you're like, you're, we, you think we're only going to score, you know, 20 points or something like that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, he's like, if you can keep them under 20 points, we can win. So you think we're only going to score 20 points? They wish they'd score 20 points. Uh, because they had up to 14 points. It was in the fourth quarter. Giants had the ball late in the game. And, you know, you just knew if Brady was going to get his hands on the ball again with, you know, under a score, a few minutes left to go, you just knew how that game was going to end. You knew Brady was going to win that freaking game. Eli Manning and the Giants have the ball on offense. Eli drops back. He is so warmed. He looks for all the world like he's going down. Jersey separating from his body. He is under firm grass. Somehow, some way, he twists out of it and he's rolling out. The whistle wasn't blown. And he finds David Tyree running down the field. And he just sort of chucks up a prayer in his general direction. And Tyree has to leap over trap traffic, catches that ball against his helmet, unbelievably still holds onto that ball and maintains possession all the way to the ground, wraps it up. First down, they are deep in scoring position. Couple more plays, they are in the end zone, and now they have, you know, they they have their they secure the lead against the Patriots at at that point. I'm sorry, they secured the lead against the Patriots, and they just that was it. That was it. You just knew Brady like you. They didn't have enough time at that point to go do anything. Brady, there was, there was just, it was done. Strahan and the boys, they took care of business. So, yeah, it, it was just the the helmet catch is one of the most iconic plays 
in in sports history, in NFL history, certainly, but also in sports history, because it's a David versus Goliath story. Yeah, it's David versus Goliath. And, and just so you know, it is also on my list. And I'm on of the other of course it is. I'm on the other side of that, where that was the first bet that me and Mike had made based on Tom Brady. I um, remember how excited. <laughs> Excited Mike was. I'm just going to finish it up because, yeah, I have to correct myself. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. Brady and them were up. That's right. And David and, and that's right. And that's right. And they came back in the fourth. My bad. So anyway, but they didn't want to score too quick, but they also they had to score a touchdown, I think, at that point to go up. What was it? They were down 14 to 10, I think it was, and they had to score a touchdown. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Bizarre. Just crazy, crazy, crazy. Anyway, I called Mike like immediately after clock struck zero. And he's like, ah, 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 I got to go. Ah, fuck it up. Ah, we got to because you guys have made your bet, and I, I believe we were both we were both over at uh, Gordy's brother's house. He was doing a Super Bowl party, so we were both there. I believe, uh, and just like the moment that catch happened, I went from smiles because Patriots are leading to oh no, this could really happen. That's right. And I was wearing my Tom Brady jersey. I had like bought it to like wear at the Super Bowl, and I was so pumped. And it started my losing streak against Mike in yeah. in those uh, games. Uh, and uh, I had to wear that stupid Eli Manning pin at work for two weeks. Yeah. And people would good. like would say things to me and I'd be like, no, I don't like Eli Manning. And then they'd yeah. look at me confused and it'd be like, ah, now I have to explain all of this. And it hurts every time. I'm Ugh. vaguely remembering that bet. That was, it was a long time ago. See, this is what I mean about these these moments. I mean, you've, it's easy to forget the exact moments of, of like the exact situation of the game, but the catch I remember that play vividly because of how ridiculous it was and what it meant to the game. So yeah, I watched it again today, and uh, I don't remember who the defender is, but there was a guy who got his hand on the ball, Rodney Harrison. like at yeah, as it was going oh, onto his head, and he right. he like hit it like he was it was gonna swipe it out, but it just didn't come out, and it just like. He had it pinned against his head with a guy hitting the ball and somehow still not just, just held a it guy. <laughs> yeah. Rodney yes. Harrison was a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Yes, yeah. a Hall of Famer is not swatting just at that a ball. Guy. <laughs> and a little guy. David Tyree just holds tight with that piece of gum that he had on his helmet. <laughs> yeah. It, it, in, in the grand scheme of football lore, who the hell is David Tyree versus a Hall of Fame Rodney Harrison? But yeah. that play, that moment <laughs> will live forever. Yeah, and Eli was under pressure, almost got sacked, should have been sacked, but somehow just chucked it up there and yeah. got it to to a guy who had seven catches on the year. Um, no, four catches for 35 yards in the 2007 season. Um, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, I could look up David Tyree's career. I'm going to do it right now. David Tyree. I think he was career. cut like a, a, a year after that or something like that. <laughs> like thank you for the championship now goodbye i mean honestly it's like malcolm butler winning the mvp it's like you're the product of being in the right place at the right time i mean malcolm butler was not an extraordinary player and him winning mvp was a little ridiculous in my opinion but i guess you give it to a person who does some cool stuff so i don't know pick six and a fumble recovery yeah you also caught the tip like it all (laughs) kind of was looking good for him two weeks in a row (laughs) david tyree never had more than 200 yards in a season Mm -hmm. he never had more than two touchdowns in any one season grand total he has four touchdowns in his career he had 50 (laughs) he had 54 catches for 650 yards and four touchdowns yeah over 83 games But he has that ring. He's got that ring and he's got that moment. So he'll have that forever. All right. So that's uh, what my number two and your number three. Is that right there, Tom? Yep. And okay, it looks like so it was also Zach's number two. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez. Jeez Louise. All right. So that skips to your number three. That's back. Now back to my number three. Yep. Okie dokie. I talked about Super Bowl 42. We're going to fast forward to Super Bowl 52. Fourth and goal at the end of the first half. It's the Philly special. The Eagles against the Patriots. Since we were beating up on Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Eagles, they were up three points against the Patriots. Who I believe the Patriots were favored to win that game, weren't they? Patriots were. I'm going to assume so. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they were far and away favorites. Anyway. 
So the page uh, the Eagles were up through uh, 15 to 12 and they were looking to extend the lead, hoping to get, you know, any score would be fine. It was like 20 or 38 seconds left in the half. Hope to extend the lead. They're going for it on fourth down from like the two yard line. Just a com- totally ballsy play to be to be going for it. They could kick the points and, you know, go up six points heading into the half. But they wanted more. And so they called for a, a little bit of a tricky play. Nick Foles, he options out into like a to like a tight end roll, whatever. They had like a tight end end around pitch out and he caught Nick Foles in the flat uh, for a touchdown and uh, they go up 10 points. It was, it was Trey Burton, tight end Trey Burton. Another one of those names that I can look up his career stats and like, as a matter of fact, I will right now, Trey Burton. Uh, You know, he played a little bit. I, I think I remember having him on my fantasy football team at one point, like hoping for the best, but I mean, this is not a guy who's bound for Canton. You know, he had, let's see, he last played in 2020. Uh, he, yeah, over 98 games, he has 159 catches, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns. So he never had more than, oh, he had one season where he had 500 yards. But other than that, I mean, he's just, you know. Just not, a guy. Just a guy. Just <laughs> a guy. Nick Foles, he's been a career backup quarterback, really. Uh, just a guy. Except in this particular moment, they call that play. They dial it up just perfect. Nobody on planet Earth saw that play come. Nobody. It fooled everybody. And there was something. The thing is, is the Patriots, we talked about Tom Brady. You give him that ball. They're down to score or whatever. Uh, Even like a minute left. They're going to find a way. You know, Brady's going to find a way. He's just that good. But there was something awfully deflating about the Philly special about going down two scores at halftime against the Eagles based on that play. Cause I, I don't know, man, I don't know what it was about that play. It was so deflating. Maybe it was just like, Holy shit. The Eagles are just, the gloves are off. <laughs> I don't know, but they, they ended up uh, going on to win that game and Philly gets their first Super Bowl ever. And a really, really, really cool moment uh, in modern football history. Well, let's get back to me losing bets. Uh, this isn't on my list, but this is another bet I lost on the Super mm. Bowl. You're, I'm starting to think I'm a degenerate gambler when it comes to Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, because Whitney's parents live in Philadelphia. They root on the uh, Eagles. And I bet uh, her dad, uh, King Salmon, if the Phillies won. I think I was going to get like a, uh, like a whole package of Philly cheesesteaks. Um, and I lost. And that is when I realized how much King salmon actually is, especially mm. now it's shipped frozen. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh, cool. I didn't realize it was going to be this much. Cause I think it was like a 150 bucks worth of King salmon. Jesus. Just like, <laughs> and they told me it was delicious. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm glad Tom Brady is retired because I can no longer bet on him in the Super Bowl. Because uh, actually, I had a I what was it? I think I've only won one because I don't think I bet on the uh, the Tampa Bay one. So I won How once in all that time of betting on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I feel How like such a jackass now. <laughs> could you betray your Lord's personal savior, Tom Brady? Like that. Well, he he betrayed me. I bought his jersey and I selected him in the first round of the fantasy draft the year after his fifty touchdowns. And then he went and blew out his knee. Okay. he's a dick. <laughs> oh, God. All right, fair enough. Uh, I still took second place. <laughs> okay, but so that was you already had your number three. So I think we're on yeah. to Zach. Your number three. Uh, so I do want to take a quick little break and talk about our sponsor, Liquid IV. So it is uh, almost the tail end of summer, and it's been pretty hot out still. Uh, we all know that with the heat comes that uh, oh-so-wonderful sweat. Sweat is a wonderful way that our bodies cool us down to combat hotter temperatures. But the downside is that we lose a lot of electrolytes, potassium, and essential vitamins needed to keep our bodies going throughout the day. How do we retrieve those necessary essential electrolytes, you ask? Well, it's actually super easy and tasty. Just grab a Liquid IV. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a daily workout, when you're feeling run down, after a long night out of drinking, and even on long flights. 
You know, I personally love using Liquid IV on all of my hikes, my bike rides, snowboarding, uh, my backpacking trips, whatever. I, I drink it all the time. It's actually really great. And I mix one in a 32 ounce bottle to kind of water it down a little bit, but it still tastes delicious. There are actually 12 delicious, refreshing flavors. Um, and so I use the lemon lime. There's strawberry, there's guava, there's uh, a whole bunch, strawberry lemonade, I believe, many, many more. They contain five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, and they have three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. They're made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. And the best news of all is that as a listener of this show and the other show, the Top 5 Podcast, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code DBCRAZYPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop for better hydration today using promo code DBCRAZYPOD at liquidiv.com. Thank you, and stay hydrated. Um, okay, 2006, uh, the Rose Bowl. Vince Young versus Matt Leinert, uh, Texas versus USC. Pete Carroll at the helm for USC, one of the greatest coaches ever in college football history, and a near and dear friend of ours in Seattle. Uh, Vince Young was out of his mind. It was just a high-scoring back-and-forth game where just so much shit happened. Reggie Bush, um, Jamal Charles. I mean, we had, uh, you know, Lendell White. We had so many players on both sides of the ball that were just playing out of their minds. And we really got to see Vince Young, uh, you know, um, come to true form in this. I mean, he'd been great all year. I think he won the Heisman that year, but uh, like just true form all year. And he just put it on a show. It was so great. And so, you know, they were down 38, 33, uh, and they were forcing a fourth and five from the nine yard line. And Vince young, he scrambled, uh, just like he always did. He found a way to get to the pylon and scored a touchdown. Um, that's just what he did. He, he secured his place in history. It was a, an incredible comeback victory for, uh, the Longhorns, and they ended up sealing the 2006 Rose Bowl. I mean, it was Leinert's, Matt Leinert's second defeat as a quarterback, like, ever. Um, the dude yeah. was was incredible. Um, I, I'm actually not sure between the two of them who won the Heisman. But uh, Vince Young went on to play for the Titans. Uh, Leinert, it was Reggie Bush. What? Was it Reggie? It was Reggie, Reggie Bush, I think. Was it that year? Uh, I think he got it the year before. I think it was Vince Young. So... Know. But, you know, they uh, so many players went on to uh, play in the NFL, went on to have yeah. some like moderately successful careers. But Vince Young will always be one of my favorite college quarterbacks to watch just because that guy played out of his mind. He he was so he had so much finesse. He had a beautiful pass. He could sprint like no other. And like that, that that football game was so back and forth and it was awesome. But yeah, 2006 Rose Bowl. Uh, I can confirm uh, it was it was Reggie Bush who won that year. Okay. Yeah, uh, and, but that was Final also the that was also the Reggie Bush got that taken away because yeah. of his whole thing. That was like and later Vince on. Young turned it down to get it from him because he was like, whatever, <laughs> no biggie. Yeah, okay. I wasn't the best. Uh, I know he's yeah. he's actually suing to try to get it returned now. At this point. They should. It's it's such bullshit that they wouldn't. But right. whatever. Anyhow, uh, I remember that game because I was registering at Everett Community College uh, that day. So I was like doing that and the game was on. So I was trying to like hurry up and I went back to my car and just listened to the last like quarter of it on my drive home and then sat in my car because I just wanted to like listen to it. So I heard the the end of that game and actually wish I would have went in and watched it because it looked very exciting when I saw the replays. I didn't know you ever registered for college. Oh, I went to a quarter uh, and took like three classes and then never again. Okay. <laughs> so I have like three credits at Everett Community College if I ever want to go back. <laughs> Your mom goes to college. <laughs> oh, you got me. It's <laughs> from uh, Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite. I'm very aware. <laughs> Oh, I guess we'll move on to my number four. Um, I think we will. And this is back on October 30th of 1999. Going all the way back. And I'm also going to go to college football. And that is, there's only two players that have ever done this. And one of them was Marcus Tuiasosopo. 
who is a legend around here. Uh, And that is when he threw for 300 yards and ran for 200 yards. Until 2021, he was the only player in college football history to do it, which seems crazy that no one's done it between 1999 until 2021. Seems like there's so many good people who could do it, but nope. Uh, Marcus Tuyasasopo, he was my favorite player in college uh, because that was right around the time that I was, what, like, ooh, I would have been like 13, 14 at that time. And I used to go to uh, Husky games because my grandparents were season ticket holders. So if they couldn't go to a game, they would give it to either my dad or one of my uncles and be like, hey, take the kids. So we would go and I've watched Marcus Tuasso, but I was not at this game. Uh, but this game is incredible. It just watching the the replays of it, he was just a monster in that game. Playing against the 25th ranked Stanford Cardinals or whatever they are. Uh and I don't watch a lot of college football actually. There's very few college football games that I actually uh watch and I watched this one on TV. Yeah. Um and it's just a great game. Uh, I actually, I, I only saw highlights. I want to see if there's like a full game that I could watch because that would be incredible to watch. Uh, I also want to watch uh, Malik Cunningham because he did it also in mm. 2021. I'd like to go and watch that game because it's like, oh, that would be incredible too. Yeah, there are some people who, and I shouldn't say this on YouTube, who will have like full games on YouTube for college football, but the rules regarding that are so wonky and weird. And we know that because it's one of the major driving things that it's driving the realignment in college football right now. That's making all of us scratch our head and wondering how on God's green earth, you've got four West coast, four Pacific coast teams are now going to be in the big 10, which is bizarre. And like, you know, you know, is but I'm glad you brought up college football because, you know, I have, grown to truly love college football. I am so grateful that it's back Saturday. I watched a lot of week zero as much as I could, but week one, this was truly week one this last Saturday. Dude, yesterday's game was incredible. Duke, it was Duke upsetting bonkers. Clemson. Holy shit. Again. Yeah. Colorado <laughs> upsetting TCU. And listen, yeah. yeah, it was a while. And then Ellis, you getting the, just the shit kicked out of them. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. college football is bonkers and has all these cool cool moments i got up at six in the morning i turned on espn college game day uh, i watched all three hours of espn college game day um and then i watched football from 9 a.m till the time i went to bed at like 11 o'clock at night damn uh i was very <laughs> welcome back football uh i'm not saying every game had every instant of my attention some of the afternoon ones were a little meh but uh late afternoon ones were a little meh but um Colorado TCU game was insane. Deion Sanders has those boys absolutely hyped and focused and ready to win. They Colorado is going to be a problem. I knew four game or six plays into that game. I said, Colorado is going to be a problem. I tweeted it. <laughs> Colorado is going to be a problem for folks. Um, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad you brought up college football because it allows me to talk about my number four. And this one has a name too. It's called the kick six. Uh, it's the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn in 2013. This is on uh, November 30th, 2013, Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama. Now, this game featured the number one ranked and two-time defending national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. They were undefeated 11-0, 7-0 in the SEC. They were a 10-point favorite over the number four ranked Auburn, by the way, who were 10-1, 6-1 in the SEC. The game had in addition to being a rivalry game, the rivalry game for both schools, it had significant postseason implications. Both teams were ranked top five. So, you know, whoever whoever won this game was gonna go to the SEC championship game and probably the national championship game after that. <clears throat> um it was a phenomenal game. It was so close all the way through and there at the very end Try, trying to win the game, Saban calls for a field goal. It was a long field goal. If I remember right, it was like a 50-some-odd, uh, I can't remember, 57-yard field goal. 
tied at 28. He calls a 57-yard field goal with like 32 seconds left on the clock, no time basically. Winds it down with the clock expiring, kicks at 57. This is like a freshman kicker, by the way. 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, 57-yard field. It's way too short. And Auburn had a dude standing in the end zone. And a yeah. little-known rule, little-known rule, because this doesn't happen very often, is that a kick is treated like the same rules as a kickoff. If you kick and it's it's caught in the field of play by a player on the other team, that counts as a turnover, and it's a live ball, and they can return it. So on a deep kickoff or deep uh, uh, field goal attempt like that, Auburn had a dude sitting in the back, way in the back of the uh, in the uh, end zone there, and he caught it, bless him. And uh, trying to remember the the kid's name who caught it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't I, remember. Let me look that up real quick. Um, yeah, it was. It's just. It, 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 yeah, I can't remember who. Yeah, is uh, Chris. It was Chris Davis. That's right. It's Chris Davis who caught it. I think he plays for the Niners now, um, or he did for a long time. I don't know if he's still there. Anyway. He caught it in the back of the end zone and he started a return and he broke uh, left. The camera was over the goalpost, right? In the back of the end zone, the camera was following it just like every field. And he broke to the left and he got a couple, you know, he made a couple guys miss. And then suddenly he had blockers. And then suddenly he had a lot of blockers and a few tacklers and he made a miss. And suddenly he had daylight and he's running downfield and the announcers are going completely ape shit and the home crowd's going totally nut shit. And he crosses the goal line, and the game is over. Auburn wins the game 34-28 in one of the most insane knockoffs of all time. You know, it's not too crazy because they were the number four team in the country. They were genuinely really, really good. It's just that Alabama happened to be one of the greatest teams of all time in the middle of their multi-championship run. And to get knocked off like that in the Iron Bowl in that fashion is spectacular. And then, of course, leading up, what immediately follows was the Auburn tree was poisoned by a crazed uh, Alabama fan who, like, calls into the radio show, like, roll damn tide. You know, I poisoned the tree. He ends up going to prison. He's dead now. Fuck him. Point is, uh, it's a horrible horse. You know, sometimes they take college football a little too far. Um, but it was an insanely cool play. The kick six is going, it goes down as one of the most iconic plays in all of football history. Yeah. That was incredible. I remember watching it on TV and I was like, holy buckets. And holy it's, buckets indeed. It's a, it's a smart move to make to leave someone back there, especially if you know it's a long field goal. So, yeah. With time expiring and you have no reason not to. Literally, yeah. why not? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's free real estate. I love free real estate. All right. <laughs> what is your number four, Zach? Uh, January 1st, 2007, a little team out of Idaho called Boise State played Oklahoma Mm. in the Fiesta Bowl. Probably one of the greatest games I've ever watched in football. It was unreal how good it was. I mean, Coach Peterson, who went on to coach the Huskies briefly, um, who's now since retired and an analyst, uh, he coached Boise State, who took their uh, WAC conference. I think they were WAC. um, And took them from an underdog to a national or into the national spotlight. So the game itself, um, you know, they, they led uh, 21 to 10 in the first half. Oklahoma was like ranked very high. I think they were fourth or something like that. Um, Oklahoma was getting dominated in, in the first half, but it, they turned it around, cleaned some things up. And in the second half, uh, they brought it within eight points. So they, they, I'm sorry. So, the, yeah, they brought it with eight, in eight points is what I was trying to say. Um, and then so the, the most impressive thing about this game was the final uh, one minute and 26 seconds. So Oklahoma scored um, and they converted a two point attempt uh, three separate times to tie it up for 28 to 28. And and what I mean is on the first play, there was like a pass interference. Second play, there was like a holding. And then the, the third attempt for the two point conversion, they finally were able to convert it. So they had they had three chances <laughs> to convert this two point conversion. And it was pretty incredible. So anyways, Oklahoma ties it up 28-28. Boise's marching down the field. And then, oh shit, they throw a pick six. And now Oklahoma's uh, winning the game. And there's like 50 something seconds left. Boise State pushes down. Uh, They aren't doing so hot, and it is now fourth and 18, and they need a touchdown because a field goal will not not work for them. 
So what they do is they pass it to a receiver who's about 18 yards out. Looks like he's about to get tackled, but he then uh, pitches it like a lateral back to another player who runs 35 yards for the touchdown. It was a hook and lateral play that they practiced that they purposely ran when you watch it. um, And it was remarkable to watch. It was a, uh, for lack of a better term, a trick play. So, they take it into overtime, Boise State versus Oklahoma. Uh, Boise State wins the toss and, de- and defers. They want to be on defense first. Uh, surprise, surprise, Oklahoma scores on the ensuing drive. So now it's Boise State's turn. Boise State, again, against all odds, they score using a wildcat trick play, which uh, has been kind of their bread and butter. So the game is now, you know, they're down by one. Um and it's it's you know any any normal coach would say let's kick the field goal let's tie it up let's go to a second overtime let's see if we can beat them not big dick coach peterson he was like we are going for two we're gangbusters what do we have to lose this is the fiesta bowl we want to fucking win so mm-hmm. they uh run one of the coolest plays that you run like in sandlot football or flag football and they run a statue of liberty play and so they they uh fake the pass hand it off with the other hand and a sweep end around and boom in for the two and boise state wins it was fucking phenomenal it was incredible to watch and like yeah, I just I think it's one of the coolest yeah. games ever. Another David versus Goliath story. Absolutely. That was the thing, because Boise State was so good that everyone was just like, well, yeah, but how good are they really? They're exactly. in like the Mountain West or whatever, you know, and they're like, how good are they? Let's see what happens when they go against a real team, Oklahoma, you know, and then, yeah. Who the hell calls a Statue of Liberty, Tom? Who calls the Statue of Liberty? Well... I would. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but this is on my list, too, by the way. Uh, well, and a couple things that Zach didn't mention. That pick six, I watched it today. Well, I watched, like, the highlights of the whole game. And the pick six, it is a terrible pick six. Yeah, there is the, the defender and only mm-hmm. the defender on the sidelines just ready to catch the ball and run down them. There's no player anywhere near him that's on on Boise State. Uh, and then the touchdown by Oklahoma in overtime was just Adrian Peterson gets handed the ball on the first play and goes in. And I think that's why they decided to go to two because mm-hmm. or for two is because it was like Adrian Peterson just walked his way into the end zone yeah. without anyone touching that. And it's like, come on guys, how, how much more can we, we can't do this fist fight all day. We need to knock them out. And that statue of Liberty is just so beautiful because it's so wide open to the running back. Like he doesn't have to worry about getting tackled by every, anyone. Everyone is going the other direction and it's just, it's crazy how good of a play it was yeah it's it's beautifully designed and beautifully executed you can tell they practiced for it and it's they could get away with this kind of stuff uh you know back in 2007 because they weren't running plays like they were today like offenses weren't as as dynamic as they were today wildcat was still a new thing and we were starting to see it really develop over the years and then you're getting a lot you know stronger mobile quarterbacks so it was it was very fun to watch but yeah great game Absolutely. I forgot Adrian Peterson played on that team. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was very good. <laughs> God almighty. Didn't do much in the NFL, though. No. Just, <laughs> you know, one of the greatest ever. God, he was so uh, good. Oh. Is that your fifth and final? Yes, that was my fifth and final. Oh, okay. Well, then my fifth and final has to be a return. I, I couldn't. I really wanted to restrict myself to one Seahawks mention but there was no way we were getting through this podcast without mentioning the beast quake. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, I mean, look, we're all Seahawks homers here. Like it or not, to be fair, this really is the iconic run of Marshawn Lynch's career. And honestly, I think it's the moment that the Pete Carroll Seahawks were truly born mm-hmm. because he, Pete came in a lot of team, a lot of people like poo pooing, like he just skipped the USC situation, the sanctions, not a whole lot of success with college coaches coming to the NFL, at least of, you know, of late uh, leading into that situation. Uh, not a lot of people had faith in Pete Carroll or wonder how long this was going to last. And, you know, you still had Hasselbeck at that time, but they made up. I think they set the record for transactions that year. Uh, yes, with like 200, 200 some odd or 300 some odd transactions, just crazy roster churn bonkers. 
Yeah, they go seven and nine, and they won seven games. Very entertaining. And I think ever all nine of the games they lost, they got blown out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the way it was. Um, so they were hit or miss, mostly miss that season. But because the refs of the division was also ass, they somehow managed to win it. It was, you know, everyone was like, ah, oh, it's a national embarrassment, blah, 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 blah. We have to change everything. Yeah, whatever. We ended up, the Seahawks ended up facing the defending champion, New Orleans Saints, who had just got done beating the Peyton Manning Colts in the Super Bowl. Drew Brees just got his one and only ring with Sean Payton at coach. They get, they come up to Seattle. Everybody thinks the Saints are going to blow out the Seahawks, and we kind of were afraid that was going to happen too, but that's not what happened. <laughs> I mean, Pete pulled out all the stops. I mean, they just, whatever was in the playbook, they just went for it. And Hasselbeck was on fire, and he was chucking around. Man, they were, they were good. They were punch for punch, blow for blow with the Saints that entire game. And then with just a few minutes left, and the Seahawks had a lead, and they were trying to protect that lead, uh, they were just I, the way we were envisioning it is they were going to see if they could drive the ball the last five minutes of the game and keep it away from Drew Brees. And they got around midfield, shy of midfield, I think it was. And they handed off on a power run to Marshawn. Uh, Marshawn Lynch there on like a power left. And he cuts back and Zooks and boom, he missed, you know, he shakes a tackle, shakes a tackle. Suddenly he shakes another tackle and he's free. And now he's got blockers peeling around because every nobody's given up on that play. Everybody's running down field blocking. You got uh, you got linemen, you got tight ends running down. Receiver Mike Williams is running down there throwing a block. Hasselbeck, the quarterback, he runs down there and throws a block. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's blocking. And Lynch reads all of them and runs and jukes and, and just shakes off everybody. That big-ass stiff arm, little baby stiff arm, he calls it. Uh, <laughs> just baby. eats the soul of what's-his-name. I can't remember. And yeah, uh, I know who you're talking yeah. about. I Porter, name, something Porter. Porter, I think, just absolutely consumes that man's soul, throws him. Uh, it's, uh, I don't think he'll ever live that down. Ends up scoring a touchdown, doing the grab my nuts, jumping in backwards. And it is it is the play that began the the, the Pete Carroll Seahawks, I think. Um, and prior to the tip of, of uh, Richard Sherman's tip, I think it was the play. Oh, uh, yeah. That I kind of, so if you were to have uh, the highlight reel of the Pete Carroll Seahawks, the greatest era of Seahawks history, that's one of those plays is number one. The other is number one at B, pretty much. So, Beastquake. And they call it a Beastquake because why? Because the fans were cheering, stomping so loudly that it was actually measured on like the Richter scale. They actually shook the ground. So, and. As I've said before, I was there shaking that ground because those were cheap tickets for a playoff game because they thought, well, they're just going to get blown out. Uh, it was only like 170 bucks for tickets, which is crazy, crazy for a playoff game in the NFL. Like A preseason game is now 200 bucks. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'll pay 170 to go to a playoff game. I'll probably never get a chance to go to one again, so I might as well go and then just... Ah! crazy that's exactly how it was that's crazy that is insane insane game insane situation of course they ended up i think getting stomped by the bears the next week uh they didn't get stomped they 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 like put up a good fight against Mm -hmm. the bears like they they didn't get creamed like they should have but they didn't win. No, it. I think they were creamed by the Bears and they came back were at they? the end to make it a close game. I but mean, I think they were down like 38 3 at one point. If mm-hmm. I remember, let me, let me see. Doesn't so matter. Was, you know, whatever the score is at the end, that's the real score. That, that smoking <laughs> Jay Cutler. Killed. Yeah, exactly. Fucking Jay Cutler. God. Jay Cutler. Smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> hate Jay Cutler. Oh, so that's right. It was smoking Jay Cutler, wasn't it? Ugh. Bizarre. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't find it. It's, it's been too late. It's somewhere on the internet. I don't care that much. It's not that important anymore. It's over. Okay. That is my five fifth and final. So I think Zach, you're, uh, you're it. This is it. But it's all you, bud. Okay. So I'm going, going back deep and this isn't necessarily a particular game. It is a particular game, 
but I'm focusing on one player, one of my favorite players of all time, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor is a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, one of the greatest football players of all time. Um, I mean, he played when they didn't even start really recording sacks as a stat, just to put it that way. Mm. Um, but his his actual recorded stats, 132 and a half. Um, he had, let's see what else, uh, 1,088 tackles, 33 forced fumbles, and 10 fumble recoveries. Oh, and nine interceptions during his entire career. He played with the Giants. Um, but I'm going back to 1988 when he played against the New Orleans Saints. And that was on, uh, that was in November. So during this game, Taylor was out of his mind. Um, he, he was, he was struggling a little bit because he had a torn, uh, shoulder muscle, some sort of torn muscle that they really didn't uh, disclose, but he had a shoulder injury and it was clear. It was obvious as day. Like he had a hard time lifting up his arm, but even through the searing pain, he played the entire game. Um, he had three sacks. He forced two fumbles. He batted down a pass and he had seven tackles. And like, it's just insane to see a person who as a defensive end, you use your shoulder a lot. So let's just say a half of a defensive end put up numbers like that against a pretty good saints team. Now they, they had their backup in Phil Sims wasn't playing, but it doesn't matter. They still were a good team and he just lit them up and it was so impressive to watch. I watched the YouTube video of it today and like, I mean, the guy was pure power. His bull rush was unreal. I'm um, Von Miller. Uh, he, Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, they focus their game a lot around Von Miller, or around um, Lawrence Taylor, and you can tell his bull rush is straight power. He's putting, you know, three hundred pound linemen on their ass just from a bull rush. It's 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 absolutely insane, and it's absolutely wonderful to watch. And so. I think that that specific defensive performance was was quite remarkable. I'm sure there are maybe better Lawrence Taylor highlights, but that one I just I found and I realized I was like, okay, yeah, 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 this this is cool. I think all Lawrence Taylor highlights are good highlights. Like they're all just everything he does yeah. is great on the field. Um, probably yeah. don't do the crack though. <laughs> I mean, a, a player who can literally change the game like that. He is a game changer. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, he was LT. He we called him like the, before Ladanian Tomlinson. He was LT. Yeah, crazy stuff. So that's what I got for mine. Okay, uh, well, 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 Eric. Just so you know, you are correct. It was twenty-eight to three at the end of the third quarter in that Seahawks versus Bears game. Uh, yeah, it did end up twenty-four to thirty-five. So they scored wow. three touchdowns wow. in the fourth quarter. Wow. But wow. yes. <laughs> So, ugh, my memory's no. terrible. Uh, no, it's well. I mean, mine too. I've <laughs> kind of fumbled one of them myself when I was talking about the David Tyree Hellman catch. You know, it's True. it's been a long time. You know, it's, it's been like it's been a long time. So, let me go down our list here uh, as we're getting out of here. So, Tom had Percy Harvin Super Bowl kick return for a touchdown uh, in a Seahawks Super Bowl uh, forty eight. Patriots thirty one point comeback in Super Bowl fifty one. That twenty eight to three. David Tyree's helmet catch in Super Bowl 42. And then back in 1999, Marcus 2 with the Huskies, 300 yards passing, 200 rushing yards. Bonkers for any player. And a 2007 Fiesta Bowl, Boise State versus Oklahoma, that David versus Goliath. Me, Eric, I had the 2013 NFC Championship game, The Tip, Richard Sherman's Tip. I had David Tyree's helmet catch in Super Bowl 42. Super Bowl 52, the Philly Special. The kick six from the 2013 Iron Bowl and the 2010 NFC Wild Card, the Beast Quake, the Beast Quake. Zach had the tip back in the 2013 NFC title game. He also had David Tyree's helmet catch Super Bowl 42. He also had the 2006 Rose Bowl with Vince Young against USC, the 2007 Fiesta Bowl, Boise State versus Oklahoma, and in November 1988, Giants versus New Orleans, Lawrence Taylor, LT. Three sacks, seven fumble or seven tackles, fumble recovery, and a pass deflected. These are some of the most iconic moments in football history. And these are just my good. I mean, so many more we can go down. College, pro. I mean, good gracious, we can sit here. We can have another CFL. Oh hell we, yeah! Oh man, don't get me started on arena football or the U or the XFL. Woo! Or the USFL. You remember the old USFL, huh? Yeah. We yeah. <laughs> 
there are tons and tons of moments where we could be here forever. So we'll, maybe next year we'll have another one. But hey, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and at SnackBurglar, that's me, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we're crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Thank you, and remember, it's okay to be wrong even though you think you're right. Football doesn't build character. It reveals character. Mmm. That's, that's a great football quote. Well, I got another man. one. Yeah, a tie is like kissing your sister. That's another <laughs> one. That's Lombardi. a good one. All, All right. right. See you. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye.